This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. There you go. Hi. Um, first of all, I just want to thank all of you for coming to this awesome Pollock event tonight. Um, the new organization Women in Media, or WIM, has been created to focus on the growing ro- roles for women working in the film, television, and um, technology industries. Um, so your moderator tonight is going to be Brittany Sandler, um, who has worked with AMC... Um, who has worked with AMC, NBC, and Hulu as an entertainment publicist. Um, the You Do What panel tonight um, has been put together by the sponsorship of the Film and Media Department, the Real Loud Film Festival, the Film Co-op, the Film Studio, Writer's Room, and the Carsey Wolf Center. Thank you guys for coming to You Do What. Uh, we're just going to have a very kind of casual conversation about these ladies and their career paths in the entertainment industry. So I'd love for you each to introduce yourself and tell us what your typical role might be on any given project and then some highlights from your career, whether it be like a project or any companies that you've worked with. Hi, I'm Annie. I am an editor in Los Angeles. I work for a company called Moving Art and my credits include a series called Majestic Natures. I've also edited web series for the OWN Network as well as done my own independent documentaries. Uh, my name is Lauren Heratunian. I'm a cinematographer. I'm also uh, the the dean of the Rocket Jump Film School, which is a uh, we have free online film tutorials um, through the Rocket Jump Production Company, and I've done um, a lot of action shorts and shorts for them on Hulu and and all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Brittany Vu. Um, I'm actually pretty early on my career path, but I just actually left my. Um, I've switched over. I was an executive assistant to Michael Schamberg. Um, he's produced films such as Contagion and Django Unchained and Pulp Fiction. And I'm actually starting soon on Monday as the assistant to Scott Z. Burns, who's taking over as the showrunner and executive producer of Vinyl, the second season on HBO. Congratulations on the new gig. Thank you. I just, <laughs> I just found out yesterday, actually. Um, I'm Laura Foody. I'm an attorney at Anonymous Content, which is a production and management company. Um, we produce The Revenant, Spotlight, Mr. Robot, The Nick, True Detective. More coming up. Hi, I'm Stephanie. I do the lighting for television and movies. Um, sometimes I also work as an assistant chief lighting technician. So um, basically on set all the time. Uh, just finished a couple of pilots, and my next show coming up is American Horror Story. Awesome. Well, thanks, ladies. So the title of this panel is called You Do What? Because usually when the conversation starts, of if you're working in the entertainment industry, they think usually on screen or something that's not more female-focused as far as like being an actress. And a lot of you ladies work in predominantly male-dominated fields. So I was wondering about, there's a lot of conversations, and this is a very controversial topic, it seems like, in the media right now, as far as a myth of lack of women being interested in just there being resources, and that's why women aren't being hired in these roles. I was wondering about your personal experiences with that myth and where you think that or- origin comes from as far as your given roles. One thing that I've kind of, in my experience working with um, both in, I've, I have a past in network television as well, 
um, working both in network television and in startups is uh, the the lack of women in the, you know the the friends club, the boys club, the whatever, and they send out like, oh, we're looking to hire X, Y, and Z, um, and and they send it out to their buds, and then they're like, no women applied. Why is why did no women? Well, we tried. Like, mm. and I'm just like, one of the things I've noticed is they're out there. There are a ton of women hungry for work and fighting around and like just fighting to get that work. And uh, if you really want to hire women, if you say you want to hire women, you have to go and find those women. You have to put it out there. You have to go beyond your, you know, hey dude, if you know some cool chicks, like you know, send my way. You you gotta like let women know, like, hey, this is, we're accepting of you here. Because I, you know, Rocket Jump was Super Boys Club for when they started. Um, and I had to bug them continually to f- first hire me. And then once I got hired, I was like, this is what you have to do to get more women in this office, because you say you want to. So um, making a concentrated effort, I think, is the big difference. I also remember when I first started interning, I, w- I really wanted to get into a commercial house or a trailer house. And so a lot of, I looked on websites and I purposely would send my resume to places that had female editors. If they had none, it's, I kind of knew that was not a place I wasn't going to thrive and survive in. So I purposely, like, I took it upon myself to find these companies. What about the positions that aren't quite on sex? I know, like, Stephanie also works in, in production and being on location. What about kind of more from the, the studio side or being in the actual production office? Do you see kind of that dynamic of when they're looking for new hires or, or is it just whatever is best, for the, best fit for the job? Um, I would say that in, in law, it's a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I see a little bit more of an even split, at least at first, with the starting jobs mm-hmm. in first, second, third years, when you start to look at the top 50, the top 100, when they rank them like variety, it starts to be, I noticed when the list just came out, it's, it's mostly men. And I think part of it goes along with what you were saying about looking for women. I think, um, you know, just when you get to a point when you're allowed to bring in a PA, when you're allowed to bring in an intern to reach out to women that you know, um, to kind of be the stepping stone for them, because it's really hard to get in at all, um, without knowing somebody, and so reaching out to other women that you know that would be good for the job rather than letting them reach out to the men can definitely be a point in. So kind of we've talked a little bit about what you're looking for when you started to reach out into careers. How did you know that your current position was really something that you could see as a career and a real pathway for um, for your life and as far as were there positive examples of like female editors, female DPs, or was it just kind of like that's a position that I want? For me, I remember like one of my first jobs in LA, I was assistant editor on this like really bad horror movie. And the producer told me like, why do you want to edit documentaries? There's no money in that. But I just, I kept seeing documentaries getting made. And it was something I wanted to do. And I kept seeing job posts, so I knew it was out there. So it was more like, post is different because there are a lot of women in post. And there's a great, wonderful support network of female post supervisors, female AEs, female editors who are there to help you out. 
But as far as, like, so throughout your career, so many people are going to tell you that that job doesn't exist. You either make it for yourself, or if you see something being made, you know someone's paying for it. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. One of the first, um, or actually, I filmed, I interned at Slam Dance Film Festival, which Hillary Campbell, who's also a great alumni from here, um, she was the one who hired me, and then after that, um, I interned at Shiny Penny Productions, which is Stacy Shares production company. And Stacy is a wonderful female producer, and I ultimately want to produce. And so, being in that environment and seeing a production company that was headed by this great woman who's basically carved her own spot in this so so-called boys club by working with Quentin Tarantino and all of these other prolific directors and other producers. It was great to see her as a role model and see how she has created her professional career path and also, you know, balancing she is a mom and she is a wife, but, you know, she has this great balance in her life, I think. And I th- that was something that I really looked up to. And also she picks projects that she wants to pursue. She doesn't let anyone really tell her, well, you're a female producer. You can't do Django Unchained or these bloody you know, badass, like, men killing men and, you know, all of that. (laughs) She is really a really impressive person, not just as a woman, but just as a producer to look up to, for sure. So it was great to be in that environment and learn from her and just, you know, get to see what she gets to do. And from a... Sorry, I'm totally tripping up on my words here. Um, but and not only that, but she was also very helpful to me, and she paid close attention to me, and she congratulated me when I moved on to my next job. So it was great to see. She's really supportive of other women as well at any point in her career or any point in their career. I remember when I first started, I, I wanted to be a writer-director when, <clears throat> when I started school, um, and... I saw these big, huge film cameras, and I was like, "Those look terrifying. I want to try that. That looks cool." Um, they were really scary, and then you're. Like, and I remember when we got into school, we were like, "What do you mean you you don't know what your film looks like until you do, what?" Um, but being a cinematographer never occurred to me until one. The two things happened. Um, I fell in love with lighting, and then two, I realized that I'm terrified of actors, and I can't talk to them. Um, <laughs> and I was like, I like directing the camera. I don't like, I, I just like, I can't do that. Um, but it, it kind of astonished me, like, getting into, when I was interested in directing, like, I had all these favorite female directors, Grant Urchata and Catherine Biglow, and, like, all these cool ladies, and then I get into the cinematography, and I was, I was like, where are they? Like, I don't, is this something, like, like, what did I get myself into? Because all of a sudden I was just surrounded by dudes who didn't listen to me. Um, which is pretty common, but it was like... Uh, and uh, I remember just starting to write about it, like, on my little college blog and, and complaining. And it got to the point where um, if you Googled female cinematographer, I was the second result. And I was like, I, I was not even, gra- I was like barely graduated. I was like, this is bad. I'm like, where are these women? Um, because they just, you couldn't find them online, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Um, and it's been really cool to see all these women kind of like, they've been there. It's just, we 
it's been hard to find them. So all these women are coming out of the woodwork, like Reed Morano and Rachel Morrison and uh, Sybil Martin and all these women. Um, but I really wish like 15-year-old Lauren had seen one of these, you know, I, Rachel Morrison has this great photo of her holding like this huge Sony film camera on one shoulder mm -hmm. and her adorable baby Wiley on her other hip. <laughs> and I was like, that looks so badass. That's what, like, I wish I had yeah. seen that when I was younger. Yeah, you're like, um, where's DP Barbie? Like, yeah, <laughs> that's like, like why? come on. Yeah. Um, so I, I realized it was something I wanted to do, but I just like early on in, in college, but I wish I had had that inspiration and that kind of feel of support before then because it took me a while to realize like, yeah, this is going to be hard, but it's going to be worth it. So, I had an internship in law school and I just so happened to get an internship at this uh, Constantine Film Production, which is a German-based company that has um, an arm out here in Los Angeles. And it was very small and my two bosses were both female. Um, one had a child, one didn't, and it was just really amazing to work. They ran the whole legal department and to work with them and see how they did everything and listen to Marsha. Marsha is actually a UCSB alum, I think. Um, she's, she listened to her on the phone, how she handled negotiations and how she didn't back down speaking to mm -hmm. anybody, but also had a way where she could be you know, on the phone, like going at it with somebody, get what she wanted, and then back down and make a lunch date at the end. <laughs> you know, she had a, a very nice way about her. So it was amazing for me to get to work with these two women, and I'm still friends with them, and they kind of guided me on my career path. I didn't have to leave because it was an internship, so it was sort of like the natural ending of the semester, mm -hmm. and then they've sort of helped me kind of figure out my path. So I just got lucky with that. I didn't really have any role models. There's not a whole lot of women in lighting. I just remember wanting to move, do movies like in elementary school and I wanted I liked lighting for whatever reason 10 year old me I don't know why <laughs> so like it's not something that I knew I wanted to do and I knew nothing of the business I didn't know this was a boys club so little 10 year old me didn't know that girls didn't do this and girls couldn't do this so once I got here I was like I'm, I'm going for it that's actually the next point was kind of asking about uh, Hollywood Boys Club. This has been a term that's been around for as long as I can remember personally. What's been your personal level of experience with that being a truth? Because it is, it, it does exist, it is there, but how, how have you experienced it and how have you navigated that professionally? It's, it's interesting because it's not always overt. Mm -hmm. Like I've, I've had the overt like, oh come on sweetie, like let me carry that for you type deal. It's like okay, I'm not fine. Um, you can carry that 100-pound crane. I 100-pound coil of cable. You want to take that? If you, if you really want to. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've had, like, overt harassment and, like, that kind of stuff. And girls, sweetie, never knowing, like, never bothering to know my name and never, like... But it, the frustrating part is, is the not-so-overt stuff where people don't realize they're doing it. And so... Um, like when Rocket Jump and my company was still getting going, like they were, it's, it started with like three dudes in a loft, and then it was like six dudes in a small office, and then it was like ten dudes and me, and then, and then, uh, so they're so used to like picking up a camera or tossing it to one of their guy friends and like let's go, and I've had to kind of trick them into hiring me and thinking it was their idea to hire me <laughs> a lot, um, and. Uh, so a lot of it was like, oh, I'll just like sit in on this pre-production meeting. It's like, oh, do you need, oh, it sounds like you need, uh, I'll help you during rehearsal, I'll help you with camera. And all of a sudden I'm 
DPing an action film and rehearsing with stuntmen for three days. Um, and then on set, they're like, oh, Lauren's really good at shooting action. I'm just like, I, I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but it, it took a lot of just like, it's not, they don't realize they're, they're doing it. It's like you have a DP sitting right in your company and it's like, oh, we can like just give it to, what's his name? It's like, um, so a lot of that has been either like directly confronting people about it, which can be a little bit hard, especially if they don't think what they're doing is sexist. They're like, oh, but it's, but I, but, and I'm like, okay, let's go about this another way. Um, or it's, you know, picking up that camera and, and kicking ass. Um, but it, it, it gets to a point where it's very tiring of like, if you point this out that it's sexist, then you become the problem. They're like, oh, well, you're being uppity, blah, blah, blah. Um, stop complaining. Um, and so it's a, it's a very weird, exhausting balance to try mm-hmm. and figure out. Because it's so easy when they're being complete, overt, sexist jerks. And you can just write them off. But when it's ingrained and accidental or just little microaggressions that kind of add up, it's, a little, it's, hard, it's hard to navigate and it's hard to point out. So it's, it's one of those, like... I think we're at an interesting point in the boys club where there's a lot of women like being like, this is not cool anymore. Mm-hmm. Like it's never been cool, but like, come on. Do you, like, did you know like the shift when it happened when it was basically like you, like, you know, you're putting in the extra work and like, no matter what, when you're starting out, you just have to put in the extra work no matter what, because you're young and people are going to take that against you. At what point did you see like the concoction, like the lemonade concoction shift between like, oh no, now you're drinking my poison. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> metaphor didn't really work. Um, I think when I kind of was able to start throwing my weight around and being like, hey, I shot the most popular video on your entire YouTube channel at 11 million views, like, and, and being so consistent and being mm-hmm. always there and in their face. And it's like, then it become natural for them to come to me, mm-hmm. um, which it should already be that way. But I had to like build that whole platform to get to that point. And I'm hoping like that I don't have to restart that with every new job that I do. Yeah. Well, this is the industry where it's you have to consistently be proving yourself like mm. over and over and it's comparing to what was your latest project, what was the last thing you worked on. But as far as like the boys club, do you think that there's the there's been the term of like the ladies that lunch? Do you see there being like a rise of a of a ladies women's club in, in the film industry? I don't just because the women I network with, there's we you want to choose the best person, mm-hmm. and like women I know, they won't they'll choose like talent over friendship a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. Or at least like my producer has like a really great network of people. She chooses the best. Sometimes that's a man. Sometimes that's a woman. Where it's less of like it's so weird. It's less of this whole idea of like I have to maintain this friendship by throwing you this work. It's like no, you have to be consistently super an all star. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. There's uh, some really cool stuff happening on social media that I've noticed, mm-hmm. especially with women cinematographers and, and operators. And um, I know uh, one of the, the big leaders is Jessica Lopez, and she's this awesome steady cam op that started like hashtag lady ops. 
Um, and it kind of got huge, and she spoke at uh, NAB this year um, with a bunch of uh, other, you know, female camera ops and DPs and stuff, and you're starting to find small little communities on social media, which has been really interesting for me, Um, which I'm just, like, drinking in now because I wish I had that before. It's Mm -hmm. like, yes, this is awesome. Um, So I've met some really cool people just on, like, Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, definitely, just to piggyback on that. I really love Twitter. Um, So immediately when I started my Twitter, I followed, like, all of the studios and all Mm -hmm. of the big production companies. But I also started following a lot of women in the business. Um, and there's also, like, a women in media Twitter um, group that I follow, and they tweet a bunch of, um, about a bunch of different women's works, and they're Kickstarters and things like that. And then there's also a young woman, um, she goes by Old Films Flickr. She has a Twitter and Tumblr, and she started this campaign just, like, on her Tumblr, and I've been following her forever. And it was just, I think, women in film, and she just watched for a month or whatever month she watched only films that women directed, women, mm-hmm. female directed films, and it just became this social media thing on Tumblr and Twitter, and other like big female directors started, you know, tweeting it out too. And I thought that was great because at first I was like, she's been doing this forever. I've been following her on Tumblr for such a long time, and then now she's gaining some traction. And it's getting out there um, on bigger platforms. So I think that's really great. And with all of like young women. I, all of us, I mean, Twitter is a great thing to have those communities and start those fires everywhere um, and connect with people. And that's a big way that people are connecting. And, you know, obviously through Kickstarter, but just supporting people and supporting other women, following what, you know, deep female DPs and directors and what they're doing because they tweet a lot about, you know, their upcoming projects. So it's great to get some inspiration from that as well. Awesome. So a big part of the conversation with regard to women in, in media, and I think we saw a lot of this around like the Oscars, was, or how we talk about this, is it's a female blank. I'm a female DP. I'm a female editor. How do you kind of work around that conversation? Because there are some people that will have an agenda, and it's, I think it comes from a good place of, I want to hire a female crew. But we've been on the opposite side of that where people are only hiring like boys club and you don't want to be considered just for a female. How do you personally deal with handle that or when it kind of the <laughs> where the point is made of like, well, you're a female in this position. Does that come across a lot or how do you just personally deal with it? Comes across a lot with me. Yeah. I have a couple projects like, oh, it's a women-centered show, so we want to hire a female best boy or gaffer or something. I'm okay with it. I mean, less than 3% of women do what I do, or are women that do what I do, mm-hmm. and even less that are Asian women. So any leg up I can get, like, yeah, okay. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. a job. I mean, it's I've a got job. two, two strikes against me. Like, any, you know, yeah. if you want to hire me because I'm a woman, that's fine, because I've been hired so many times because I'm not a woman that I, I feel fine taking those jobs. And, like, as for me, we're, like, Every this myth, I don't know, it comes and goes with this idea of a woman editor and she'll like make the film magic and a lady <laughs> needs to understand my vision and she'll be my mom through a post-production. Like, I want that to work in my favor. Like, yes, I will be your mom and I will make your movie great. <laughs> but as far as like, I, 
you should need to take every opportunity you have to have yeah. that comes your way. Don't say no when someone wants to help you out. Like once you get in there, you can turn it into whatever you want it to be. Mm-hmm. But just like if a door is open slightly, run through it. I mean, the only time I've, I've not taken a job because I'm a woman was uh, it was a rigging job where it's a lot of heavy lifting and stuff. And the the guy that was going to hire me specifically said, "Oh, but don't worry, you know, you'll you'll do the light duty fixture work." And that's when I turned it down because. I would rather be doing the light duty fixture work and not the heavy lifting, but at the same time, like, it's, other guys are going to see, oh, she's not doing the heavy work, and that's just going to cause more problems down the line. And mm-hmm. That's the only time I've turned down work that specifically was, we want you because you're a girl. Yeah. I think when it comes to, especially with, like, DP work, um, I, I, I take a lot of those jobs, especially, but I make sure to, to really believe in what the project is. The times I turn it down is when I get, um, we want to hire you because you're a female DP. And I'm like, uh, what's your story about? And they're like, oh, it's this really uh, you know, tender family drama. And I show the, I'm like, you haven't seen my reel because it's like <laughs> 99% dudes getting punched in the face and there's yeah. pyrotechnics. And I'm just handheld running, like, and so I'm like, I don't think I'm going to be a fit for your project. Like, I would love to do this, but, like, is that, why are you hiring me? Mm-hmm. Um, is that going to serve your story? Uh, so there's been a couple frustrating moments where it's just like, oh, we want to hire you because you're a woman, um, but we don't haven't looked at your work. We had, we don't actually care what you do. Like we, and I'm just like, okay, that's where it's, it's a really hard fine line. Mm-hmm. It's like what, and when it, I think the main thing that also frustrated me is that it starts limiting the projects that I'm offered because mm-hmm. they, they see, Oh, she's a woman DP. She will want to do, like all the job offers I get outside of Rocket Jump, who who don't know my reel, it's family dramas and uh, rom coms and a lot of movies about pregnancy. <laughs> and I'm just like, what do you what like what th- makes you think I'm qualified for this? Um, and uh, so once if I start getting pinned into a box, that's when I'm like, okay, I don't want to take this job. Mm-hmm. If I need the work and I'm and I see people on that crew that's like, oh, I want to work with that person, oh I really like this script, then like hell yeah, um hire all those women. But like just at least give us the courtesy of like looking at our reels first. Like mm-hmm. can like make us feel a little special if you're gonna try and pitch us for your project. As far as also representation of women in our industry, a lot of it is seen as, even if it, in movies you see a lot of representation of women that are more um, on screen. You know, if it's a if it's a movie about making movies, it's going to be a woman as an actress. Have you ever had to deal with like, or myself as a publicist, I'd rather be compared to like uh, C.J. Uh, Craig from West Wing than like Samantha Jones. I'm like that's more of my life than like Samantha Jones um, from Sex and the City. Have you seen anything like that where people go like, oh, cool, like you explain what you do, and they go, oh, cool, like like this, and you're like, mm, not quite, or how, how does your personal life meet, meet or not meet the expectations of the stereotype of what your job is? I get asked if I meet a lot of celebrities. Yeah? Yeah, if I get to hang out with the stars. Not, I mean, I see them, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we don't go out for drinks afterwards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I've been on set 
holding a camera with a rig and like batteries on my hips and stuff shooting um i think it was a behind the scenes job and like one of the still photographer came up to me and he was like oh how long have you been doing this i'm like oh like five six years or whatever and he's like so do you eventually want to be like an actress i'm like i'm holding this camera trying to do my job i'm like no why would i why and he was like oh i just i don't know i was wondering i'm like do you want to be an actor and he's like oh god no and i'm like <laughs> so, um, yeah, I've, it happens on set and off. There's so many ladies associated with my profession, and it, it, when I say editor, I get like, oh, like a web editor a lot of the times. Oh, okay, but for the most part, like it's a standard thing. If you know what an editor is, you know what I'm doing. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, the funniest thing is like, oh, so you cut a lot of film? Like we don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. Um, so I don't want to like scare any undergrads in the audience, but we do work in a pretty crazy industry. Um, we were talking just in the green room about, um, how Stephanie is going to go back into production and that's going to be like months of not having a social life or it's a lot of long hours in our industry. Um, I think now is a a really good time of conversation of like self care. How do you look out for yourself? Not only just helping people and, and being social with other people, but how do you take care of yourself personally um, and what keeps you motivated to stay in the job that you're in? Because it's, it's taxing. Definitely. You have to love it. I think your time is one of the most important things that you have, not just as a woman, but just as a person in this industry and just a person in the world. And it's not just your professional time, but your personal time. Um, and as someone who just really, I'm only like, two years ahead of all of you. Um, but as you, when you work as an assistant, you start out as, out as an assistant, your hours are from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Usually it extends beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of overtime. There's a lot of constantly checking your email because you are so scared that you did something wrong. Um, and when you start out, it is everyone will tell you, you will not have a life for a year as an assistant. And I'm not trying to scare you. No one was trying to scare me when they told me that, but it's the truth. Um, but, and it's something that I still struggle with as well, just balancing my life with my work and my personal life. Um, but I have a great, I have great sisters. I have great friends both in, you know, doing what I'm doing and out of it, just saying, don't look at your phone. It's okay. They will live. Um, if it's a really big emergency, they, if they need to, they will call you, but you know, they're adults too. They can Mm -hmm. take care of their life. Um, but it's really important to keep that in mind because it's one of your, it's, it's an important thing, a really important thing to care, take care of your time because if you give so much of your time and your effort to your job, eventually, obviously, your personal life and just your well-being is going to diminish. And that's going to affect your job at work. And you don't want that, um, obviously. And you don't want people to start telling you you're not doing your job right or why'd you slip up? Well, it's because I'm focusing so much on doing my job right. And it just it's a hard thing to balance, but when you first start out in the industry and in whatever you're doing in whatever field or part of the business you're in, it's really important to focus on that, even though it might feel like you don't have the time to focus on it. Yeah. And I can second that. I even as an attorney I had to start as an assistant for it. Yeah. I got out at six months, luckily. I mm-hmm. did not have to do my full year. But um, being an assistant's tough. 
because they're so reliant on you and you want to do the best you can, but at the same time you want to make sure that you're not doing absolutely everything for them because then they come dependent on you. So mm -hmm. it's definitely a balance of making sure you take some vacation days, you have them there for you and you need to take them, taking some weekends where they know they can't get a hold of you. Um, and then the hours, I mean the hours are, if you can leave at seven, try to leave at seven. So, try not yeah. to stay, <laughs> try not to be, it's a tough balance because you know you always hear be the first one in the office, be the last yeah. one to leave. Mm -hmm. Do that, but sometimes don't do that. It's just <laughs> make sure that you're not always there, you're not burning yourself out because you will burn yourself out. And it happens very quickly and you can see it happening around you to other assistants as well. And just know that it gets better. <laughs> Yeah, when I first started doing Best Boy work, I'd, you know, I get paid by the hour, but after hours I'd still be doing paperwork and going over plans and everything. And now I'm just like, I'm, I'm off the clock. They're not paying me to do this stuff. Why should I keep doing it? You know, so that kind of helps a lot once I realized that. Like, shouldn't be working this hard in my personal time. Balancing your yeah, self-respect that, that kind of with yeah, balancing yeah. doing a good job is a really... And when, when you first start out, you're like, oh, this is great. I want to be on set all the time. And you almost never want to leave. And then you notice that you get to a certain point where at the end of the day, everybody just goes home. Nobody wants to stay around. We've been here for 14 hours. So that kind of helps do. Like everybody just clears out at the end of the day. So you go too. Yeah. I, I make sure to, I mean, when you, when you first start, you're going to take the weirdest and sometimes the most boring and sometimes the worst jobs um, just to get more experience and, and start working and get a paycheck. And, and um, what I found is every once in a while I need to do a project where they're like, that reminds me of why I like what I'm doing. And usually that comes down to me and some friends who are also in the industry. We have day jobs and stuff, but like, it's like, we have this cool idea. We want to try something for a weekend. Like, let's play with this camera that we borrowed from a friend and, um, you know, I have, you know, people at work are like, what do you mean you're shooting this weekend? You, what? You're not getting paid? Like, what is this? It's like, no, like, this is something that, that is reminding me creatively of why I got into this. And, and it's good to hang out with friends and, and that kind of stuff. But there's also that balance of um, sometimes you you got to say no to jobs, and that's terrifying. It's terrifying, <laughs> but if you know you're going to burn out, like, don't waste your time um, working with people that you just, that just drag you down and that don't nurture you and don't support you creatively. And, and you're going to have to work some, with some crappy people, but, like, um, try and, and make those relationships uh, with people that just kind of get you um, and get your weirdness. <laughs> yeah. And you want to work with people or work for people who value your time mm -hmm. as well yeah. and don't take advantage of you um, because they know it's your job or you're getting paid or they say, oh, well, you're getting paid to do this. Well, it's, I'm off the clock. Um, mm -hmm. And luckily I've had um, a boss who said, you shouldn't work the hours you're not paid. Um, you won't always have that opportunity, mm -hmm. but you have to remind yourself of that as well. It shouldn't, you should be doing what you love, but it shouldn't come at, as a cost to your personal well-being and your happiness. I also think I also used to be a studio assistant and the long hours of the 9 to 7, totally true. 
Um, but I think good bosses and good mentors just breed good bosses and good mentors. Like my boss was the only one that would say thank you as he would leave at the end of the night and the other assistants would be like, oh, your boss is the best. It was like, he just said thank you. It was, that was it. That was it. Um, so kind of speaking on that note of, of looking at like mentors and kind of looking at how you find projects and passions, how do you think just we and not even just the ladies in the room, but men as well, can create positive changes in this industry as far as creating opportunities for everyone involved, and especially women? Um, on, on a personal level, it's like when you have an opportunity to hire a woman, do it. Um, and be supportive of other women in the industry. There's, there's oftentimes um, a unconscious feeling of competition between women because mm -hmm. this myth that these jobs are you know, scarce only between women it's like you have to beat out the other woman to be the one you know that makes it in the boys club. It's like no, um, that supporting and standing by women in your field and industry is going to. It's already done so much. I'm loving all these different communities and people getting together and just and speaking out together, um, and making the industry a little bit less intimidating to get into. Mm -hmm. um, but also, it's come. A lot of it has come down to if I'm the only woman in a room, I make sure to point it out. Mm -hmm. Be like, "Hey, this is like, where are my ladies at? Like, this is lame." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and be like, you know, here, here are some friends. Like, oh, you should check out this person and hire her next time. Or, um, and just kind of be like, "Hey, this this stuff happens unconsciously. Like, guys will hire their guy friends, and girls will hire their guy friends. And sometimes you just have to." remind yourself and be a little bit more, uh, make a little bit more of a concerted effort to get to the point where it feels natural to have like a 50-50 split on a set. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be like a, a miracle if there are a bunch of women, a bunch of men on set. Mm -hmm. um, so I think both men and women should point out inequality where they see it, but also like, you know, hey, I know this great female, you know, gaffer or DP or whatever and, and just try and lift each other up. I think Lauren mentioned a good note of kind of like pointing out if you're the only woman in the room. I think there's a mentality of like if you're the woman that makes it to the position, you beat out all the other women mm -hmm. as opposed to looking around and being like, no, this is still a problem as far as if I'm the only woman there, I should be concerned <laughs> that, it's, yeah. that I'm the only one. Um, so because we are speaking at UCSB and we have some awesome alumni on set and, and some honored guests <laughs> that are not alumni, um, what would you say would be the biggest takeaways you're, from your career so far and what would you tell either students in here looking to you know, make the, possibly the move down to LA or your former gaucho self, like your UCSB college version of yourself? I think if you're thinking about moving to LA, if you're on the fence, do it. It's worth it. Even if you figure out, like, I don't want to be in the entertainment industry, you're going to, the valuable life skills you get from the random jobs you take, no other industry really has that. This idea of, like, you have to learn to multitask and you have to be the best at everything. But you also have to learn how to, like, know what type of fish food to, like, feed the fish is really important. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as, like, my advice or if I, like, had any, like, okay, young 21-year-old Annie, just, like, you're going to work. 
but the work's always going to be there. If you don't get a job, there's always going to be another job. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people intimidate you, or like there's a lot of pressure about like, uh, uh, I need to get this thing. When really, like, LA is on a cycle. Like we have the season that comes up where everything's super busy. It dies down for two months, and then it comes back. Like you're only re- like you're down until you're not down anymore. So just I don't know, persevere, keep doing it, and move to LA. Give it a chance. Yeah, I moved down there when, during the writer's strike. <laughs> when they're yeah. Not, so like, so, yeah, I mean, it kind of sucks when you first move down there, especially if you don't know anybody and breaking in is really hard. But I mean, all you need is like one good opportunity, one good chance, and the rest kind of yeah. builds up as you go. And like production's such a weird band of gypsies that once you fall in, you just see the same people over and over. And it's just like you, you don't see someone for six months, but then you're on the same crew, and it's like you're a family again. And it's like you don't lose those ties and you don't lose those experiences. Mm. I guess my advice would be a little more pointed because mine's towards entertainment law. Mm-hmm. If anybody's thinking about taking like sort of the law path, I would say take the LSAT because there's nothing to lose. Just mm-hmm. take it. Take it now or take it next year. Take it when you've got your year off and you're trying to do production work too. Whatever. See how you do. And then there's like... Go to law school only if you are sure you want to go into law, <laughs> or you get a scholarship, or someone's going to pay for it. Those are the three ways that I would say go to law school. Because don't go, like, don't just wing it because it's so expensive. Don't just wing it and, like, think, oh, maybe I'll make some more money. I think maybe I'll make some more money is a fine reason to go to law school. You don't have to know right away. Um, and someone told me that when I first got to law school. I was like, thank God, because I didn't really, like, have a passion for the law. Um, so that's a totally fine reason, but make sure that you have someone to pay for it, you're willing to pay off your loans forever, or you get a scholarship, which mm-hmm. they are achievable. And then go to a law school in New York or Los Angeles, or at least California, that has some sort of entertainment um, component. I went to Loyola Law School, and I was on the Entertainment Law Review, and they have a big entertainment um, practicum where you can take a bunch of very pointed classes mm-hmm. about financing, about just like nitty-gritty stuff about actual like production law where you get to go I got to go to The Voice with um, the attorney that sort of ran production for that and see how things actually work and kind of get a hands-on feel so you can decide if that's actually what you want to do and if you have a scholarship if you decide you didn't want to do it then you have your law degree and you can go do what you actually want to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think one of my big things is when you first graduate and you're looking at PAing or whatever, um, I took uh, as many jobs as I could get my hands on the first couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and the biggest thing you should do is just make friends on set. Mm-hmm. Um, don't, if you can't get good FaceTime with the DP or the director, like that's not important. Like um, every PA you're gonna meet is a future director, editor, composer or whatever um every sound guy is you know they might be working on a script they might have this idea they have a friend who's doing something um make friends with people see who you gel with uh who like and just have a good attitude and want to be there and um make people like you uh and and just if you work really hard and really connect with the people, I'm not talking about networking, I'm talking about connect with them mm-hmm. on a creative level and a personality level, um, they're going to remember you and be like, hey, you said you were interested in X, Y, or Z. Like, I'm, me and my friends are getting together this weekend to do this like random project you want to hop on. Um, 
and then they might turn it into a, a production company someday, which is kind of how I got where I am right now. It's like, hey, we're going to shoot this like dumb action scene in in the uh, the dorm uh, like study hall area. Like, do you want to come help? <laughs> we're like, okay, cool. And then like it turned into a company um, with two shows on Hulu. Uh, so like just. Find the find your family, find your core mm-hmm. family that get you, and PAing is a great place to do that too. Agreed on all of these things. Um, <laughs> definitely. Um, I know when I was getting ready to graduate, and even when I decided to, you know, pursue film and media studies here, one of the first things my dad told me was, "Well, there's no one who looks like you who does that," and I was like. Okay, well, that doesn't, that's, that's not a non-starter. It doesn't mean that I can't be that person who goes mm-hmm. and does it, and I can be that person for other people. So don't think that, don't let the headlines scare you, don't let the statistics scare you about the lack of women, because there are women, obviously, doing all of this. Um, and there's no reason for you to not go out there and be that person. Mm-hmm. So... Go for it. You'll find the people that you want to work with that want to work with you and who are going to support you and do, you know, through all of that first year of being an assistant, through, you know, rising up, and you're going to help them and they're going to help you and you're going to create great relationships with friends and working relationships. I mean, that's how all of these great people started. They found their family, they found their group, and they supported each other. And UCSB is obviously a great place to do that because that's kind of how I've ended up where I am because mm-hmm. I started at Slam Dance and, you know, I found a lot of help with our department in finding my next internship. And then a UCSB alumni noticed me there and wanted to help me because he saw something in me and he believed that I could do a great job. And because I'm a gaucho and gauchos, we always say it in our office, but it's the best school in the world. So be proud of it. And it may not seem like there's a lot of us in the industry, but we're there. I know there's a lot of Trojans and Bruins, mm. but just ignore them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, don't be afraid to go out. Like, I'm not going to lie. The first two jobs I got in L.A. were from UCSB alumni mm-hmm. um, that I worked on 106 projects with who were just a couple years above me. But that being said, like, I still wasn't shy about taking a job from a kid who graduated from Emerson or SCAD. And really, like... You, the, you don't want your network just to be gauchos. We're the best. Don't get me wrong about that. But still, like, expand your network. Yeah, yeah just like an anecdote on being a gaucho, one of my very first internships, the guy was like, I love hiring UCSB kids because you work really hard, but also you're, like, normal and we'll go out to drinks after. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, you're the perfect blend. So, so we got that going for us. Um, Well, thanks to our panelists for being here. Thank you guys for coming. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.